0: Enjoy.
1: Joining us uh, in this hour is a correspondent with Al Jazeera America. They're the U.S. cable news channel that covers both domestic and international u- news, excuse me, can see- be seen around the United States. On Comcast Channel 125, Time Warner Cable, AT&T u 1219, that's the channel there. DISH, Channel 215, Direct TV 347, and Verizon FIO 614. Dana Lewis joins us, correspondent with Al Jazeera America. Dana, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us.
2: Good afternoon. Did we force you to say all that stuff? I'll tell you, that's a mouthful.
1: Ah, no, it's information I like to give out so people can. Because uh, I really well think done. I think you well guys done. have an. Uh, They're uh, doing an awesome job, and and not enough people are aware of Al Jazeera America. I think the name is off-putting for some people. Um, you know, perhaps those are not you know uh, as uh, knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. Of, you, you know, of news, but I think that you guys have a great journalist team of which you are uh, a member as a correspondent with Al Jazeera America, Dana. So I, I want to help you guys out there um but That's no they don't think
2: it's, it's so it's, it's it's one of those channels that does some pretty serious news and it, as a as a correspondent you know i've traveled all over the world and it's hard to find people who are serious about covering foreign foreign news and domestic news seriously these days. so
1: i know that after the um rallies the post-attack rallies in in france we had yesterday solidarity marches that took place not just in paris but all over france and I know that you guys at Al Jazeera took uh, stock of the situation in the country. So let's take a a look at, you know, yesterday, and let's take a look at some of the winners and some of the losers um, politically. Let's look at security and things like that. So first of all, winners and losers politically and otherwise, uh, looking back a day. Well,
2: I'm, I think certainly uh, politically the United States – is under criticism for not having a higher representative there, but it seems that most of the the criticism um, is, is coming from within the United States because it wasn't a giant issue in Paris today uh, nor was it in other parts of Europe. So, so, so
1: that people, Dana, are, are fami- uh, familiar with what happened. Who did not watch it? watch the news, or were busy over the weekend here in the United States, you know, with their own lives and domestic issues. Who was there as a representative of the United States? And also, if you know who was originally invited uh, by uh, President Hollande.
2: Well, I think the the United States very quickly, I believe, that the, the um, president's office, uh, President Obama's office, told them that they would not. Be attending. Um, he went to the French embassy in Washington. He signed the guest book. He wrote a very long note, signed, and, and I think he ended it with "Viva la France." And um, in the end, uh, it was the American ambassador uh, to France that w- took place, uh, took part in the march. And at the same time, Attorney General, U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, was there in Paris uh, for high-level security meetings uh, to discuss that very situation. So he was in the country, but he didn't participate in the, in the march. And some people suggested that it should have been a higher representative than the U.S. ambassador in the march. And I think most of that criticism, as I say, is, seems to have been domestic in the U.S.
1: Um, uh, let's also talk about um, Netanyahu and uh, Abbas. Uh, differing reports. First of all, is it true that Netanyahu was asked or requested – um, by those, uh, you know, perhaps even President Hollande himself or his office, his administration, to stay away? Or is that incorrect? And he was invited. We know he was there.
2: I'm not sure what the latest has, has been said by the French, but we know from uh, Haaretz, a newspaper, which is a very credible newspaper in Israel and also one of the main Israeli television channels, that they are reporting that President Hollande asked... Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, not to come. Um, and Netanyahu insisted on coming. and Olan apparently told him then, well, that, that's fine then, but you know you better know that Mahmoud Abbas is going to come. And they were certainly not uh, arm in arm uh, in that front line. They were five people apart, I believe, when I, I think I was, when I was counting on the video, they were about five people apart. Uh, and it's about the closest they've they've come in years to meeting, because as you know, Netanyahu does not meet a boss. So that is certainly a controversy. Um, And and there is some sensitivity on the French side, because Netanyahu has reached out to Jews living in France, and he said, come back to Israel. It's not safe for you there. And according to the Jewish agency, some 7,000 Jews emigrated to Israel last Year from France, which would be the largest now country emigrating to Israel, um, but a pretty small amount considering there are five hundred thousand Jews living in France.
0: And uh, Dana, this is Mark, the executive producer, hopping in. Leslie's having a technical issue with her microphone. Um, as far as you know, the number that was reported, that is being reported as the largest rally ever in French history, is that accurate? And um, what does that mean for the country?
2: Well, Mark, it's certainly the largest in history in France. And it was incredible because they never thought they were going to get those kind of numbers. So in Paris, we were told maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to get a million people out today. And in the end, it was almost double that. I mean, it was at least 1.7 million across the country. It was, I think it was 3.6 million all across France because there were rallies all over the country. So I think it means... First of all, that the, the French were not scared. They were not frightened by these attacks, not frightened enough to stay home, at least. And they came out in huge numbers to talk about all of the things that they are outraged about. They are outraged about people trying to drive a wedge between uh, Muslims and Christians and Jews. And and some of the people out marching that I talked to, I mean, one guy says, look, my mother is Christian, my, my father is Muslim. Uh, an, another man said, you know, my father's Jewish, my mother's Christian. The,
1: well, hold that thought, Dana. I am back, Leslie Marshall and- here. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to you and let you finish that that response. We'll be back with Dana Lewis, correspondent with Al Jazeera America. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back, Dana Lewis, correspondent with Al Jazeera America. Dana, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, before the break, um, we asked about this march being the largest march and what it means uh, to the country of France. You were responding to that. One of the things that you were saying before the break as is that there were there were people from every background, eth- you know uh, ethnicity-wise, religious-wise, everybody was there um, in solidarity for freedom and for France. Is that correct?
2: I don't think I could have said it better. I I mean, clearly, people were very emotional out in the street talking about it. I mean, there are are lots of mixed families in France, and they say that they're not going to allow extremists to drive a wedge between Christians and Muslims and Jews. And if those attacks were, were meant to do that, uh, it won't work. And they came together on the weekend and, um, in, in tremendous record-setting numbers. I think there, there were also like a group of lawyers there that were marching saying, you can't threaten the republics, a, a long-standing historic republics, laws like France, and that is freedom of the, of speech. Um, and, and so there, there was a great deal of indignation over the attacks on the newspaper and the, the, the murder of cartoonists, uh, for, and for their satire and, um, and, and there is, I, th- I think, great support for that magazine now, for that newspaper now. And it will publish a special edition next Wednesday in which uh, they will put out a million copies, which is, you know, normally I think they put out something like 20,000 copies. So it was a, a tremendous amount of support. And as you look all around Paris yesterday, you see these uh, uh, stickers saying, uh, we are, you know, we are Charlie. Uh-huh. Charlie Hebdo newspaper. So they they really adopted that as kind of a, a symbol of free speech uh, and, and defiance for the, what these attackers did.
1: Um, speaking of, uh, you can't tell. Here in the United States, very multicultural, every religion and ethnicity pretty much represented in a country the size of ours. Um, France, a much smaller country. Uh, Islam, the second largest religion next to Catholicism uh, in France. And... You know, when, when people think, what does a Muslim look like, um, they do sometimes think somebody, you know, with darker skin or a beard, but definitely for women, women that are wearing a burqa or a hijab. Now, I know in schools, girls can't wear a hijab, a headscarf covering, and I don't believe that they can wear, I'm not sure if in the streets of Paris or if it's just in or near state and federal buildings and schools, uh, the burqa. Did we see people looking like that come out? I say that because here in the United States, people that I have spoken to in the Muslim community say that people think that they're not in support and solidarity with others against the terrorism, bombings, et cetera, when it takes place. But many of them are fearful to come out with their children because they're fearful that the attacks will, that people will get angry and take their wrath out on them.
2: Well, they can't wear a veil. Um, They can certainly cover their heads. And, um, and, and some of them were out, you know, I mean, many of them were out in the march. But I can't give you numbers, and, and uh, I, I don't know how many decided not to come. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to define. But certainly we, we talked to plenty of, of of Muslims who were deeply offended by what has happened, and they fear a backlash. I mean, I talked to a Muslim uh, man who runs a, a bakery right around the corner from where the newspaper attacked, and... He said, you know, my daughter is scared to leave her house now because they're scared about how the rest of the population is going to react and see them. Um, and there are multiple generations of Muslims living in France who, who, um, assimilated French culture and, and, uh, you know, carry the flag as, as proudly as anyone. And suddenly now they're worried that, that they may be mixed into some kind of, um, some kind of poisonous, you know, batch that per- perhaps, Perhaps if you if you want to buy into the theory that this was a cell that was controlled um, from either al-Qaeda in Yemen or from the Islamic State or, or from both, that perhaps that is one of their designs, is to really drive a wedge in society.
1: Uh, very true. That's how I always say. I say if people are prejudiced against Muslims or attack Muslims, not only is it wrong and, and illegal, and you're stooping to the level of a terrorist, but you're playing into their hands and giving them exactly yeah. what they want. But there
2: have been incidents, Lizzie. I mean, over the weekend, they, they – they fired some gunshots at a couple of mosques. There were a couple of explosions, minor ones outside mosques. So there, there have been incidents. I mean, certainly it has raised tension.
1: Oh, and, and speaking of interviewing Muslims, what about non-Muslims regarding Muslims in that country or the religion of Islam? Were there any conversations that you had with people there? Or was it all about happiness, solidarity, and holding hands and singing kumbaya?
2: Well, there was a lot of kumbaya, but I think that certainly there is concern about the Internet and how young, sometimes unemployed, disenfranchised Muslims may be attracted to some of the what they're being sold on, on the Internet from the Islamic State or from al-Qaeda. Al- and there was deep concern that there, there may be a growing number of, of disenfranchised uh, um, young men who Suddenly, start to identify more with the the fight uh, for for jihad in in Syria or in Iraq than they do with their own citizenship. And how do you how do you counter that? How do you come to terms with that? And that was one of the things I think that was was discussed, uh, uh, not at length, but it was discussed at the security conference on Sunday that the U.S. Attorney General attended with other foreign leaders in Europe. And it will certainly be another topic when. Um, There is going to be a special security conference now in February, mid-February, that Washington is is organizing uh, an international conference to discuss some of these big issues. And uh, the the influence and the drafting of young Muslims from Germany, from France, from the United Kingdom, taking them to Syria, taking them to Iraq, giving them military training um, in the Islamic State. Uh, radicalizing them, and then they then returning by the hundreds to Europe is a, considered the number one threat to to security in Europe it is in major concern. Prime Minister Cameron spoke about just that on the weekend again, they are very fearful of attacks in Spain in Germany, and Germany and the United Kingdom
1: you know and another thing if people are going to shoot at mosques or throw grenades at mosques as has taken place, you said some of these actions uh, you know in uh, and out the, well you know around in and around Paris uh, in France. That to me plays into the very fears people are talking about. I mean, if people out there are afraid of those, you know, guys that don't have a job, um, don't have an outlet, and much like in the United States, people joining a gang or anywhere now in the world, people joining that gang called terrorist, whether they're ISIS, Al Qaeda, um, I mean, whatever their name is, uh, you know, to to me, it gives them more of a reason to do that. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, it, it's sort of like, all right, that's it. That's it. They, they shot at the mosque. My mother was praying in there. That's it. I don't have a job. Damn it. I was on their side, but I'm switching sides.
2: Well, if you're, if you're probably the, a senior member of Al-Qaeda or the Islamic State, and you want to divide Europe, and you want to bring down old democracies, and you want to attack your enemy in the heart from within, that is probably a very good strategy to try and drive a wedge between different different religions and ethnic groups and i mean there are more than 25 Muslims living in Europe if you can reach out to them and radicalize them uh, and and recruit them and get them to attack their own country that that's the kind of thing that that, that radical extremist groups that that I, I don't think you and I can quite fathom the depth of how much chaos they would like to cause. That is something that they they would they would savor, and that is something that is probably in their design. And this is just not one a one-off with a couple of guys who got angry. They were well-organized. They got funding from somewhere. They got weapons from somewhere. Uh, one of them trained in, in Yemen. He was educated in university in Yemen. He went to al-Qaeda training camps in, in Yemen. Uh, the other guy, the, the Amidi Kulabani, who, who carried out the attack on the market on Friday and killed four four Jews inside the market and, and held fifteen hostage before the, the, the market was stormed and he was gunned down. Uh, he has a lot of different connections. It would look like to the Islamic State, and he made a video in between the time he shot a Paris policewoman on Thursday and the time that he carried out the, the, his final act of hostage taking on Friday, saying, calling on other Muslims to to rise up. Uh, in France. So, th- there were a lot of different designs, and there's a lot of symbolism in these attacks that they carried out. If, if you'll forgive me for, for giving you a long answer, and that is,
1: the uh, no, 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 symbolism of the, like it. the
2: state is freedom of the press. One of the pillars of, 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 of a state is a democratic state. It's freedom of the press. They went after the press. Another another pillar is is the, the state is, is policemen. They specifically targeted policemen. That police woman was specifically targeted on Thursday. But, but here's so another thing the, that the that
1: police man who was who, who who was in the fetal position, uh, you know, fearing for his life, who lost his life, was a Muslim. So if they're killing Muslims right. as well, which they are. That doesn't help with that wedge they're hoping to divide. That certainly gets people in the Muslim community angry, and even more, uh, you know, uh, in solidarity with their country, as opposed to these people, um, you know, who, who have such ideology.
2: Well, let's hope it does. Let's hope that this backfires on them and the and the people who may have agreed with any of their principles at all. Now suddenly see the the callous, violent, uh, indiscriminate nature of. Of what they're willing to do and carry out to an innocent man who was who was really, uh, you know, at, at their mercy, lying on the sidewalk after already being wounded, a policeman uh, and they went up and, and shot him at point blank range. And, and did they know he was Muslim? That's that's certainly a, a, a big question. I, I'm not sure that there's evidence that they did.
1: Or did they? They don't even care. Um, it, it, go back to a very good points that you're making uh, regarding the pillars of a democratic state. The press, they attacked the offices and killed uh, 12 at Charlie abdo um uh the policeman who was lying on the ground did you have others you wanted to add to those pillars
2: well and then and then jews um attacked them just for being jews in a jewish market in a jewish neighborhood um and obviously one of the the, the pillars of or certainly one of the, the main um cornerstones of a, of a multi-ethnic A country like france is that you can you can live with your neighbor no matter what their their ethnicity is no matter what their religion is and i think that they 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 attack that directly
1: oh most definitely And some people get confused because when you look at historically i mean honestly i understand sometimes well algerian muslims are po'd at france okay um when you look historically but these guys although algerian having algerian parents these are French, you know, French-born uh, guys, the two dead terrorists who were responsible for the attacks on Charlie Hebdo. The guy who allegedly knew them and was having their backs are saying, hey, you did Charlie Hebdo, I'll do the kosher market. I think some people get confused because the attacks of Charlie Hebdo were clearly in retaliation for constant mocking of the Prophet Muhammad and even further mocking of leaders of al-Qaeda and ISIS— ISIL, and the people at the kosher market, like you said, they were just Jewish. Now, we know there are many Muslims, but more so Arabs, who are very anti-Israel. And I say that because I lived in Pakistan, and Muslims in Pakistan don't really seem to care so much about the Palestinian plight because they have their own plight. Um, and I say that because we as a world, I think, especially ignorant of a lot of other religions and cultures, especially in the United States, where we can be isolationist to a degree, and um, you know, don't you know? We group all Muslims in Muslim countries together, and they're very different. And I say that because, um, I, I you know, I understand that you know there are Muslims, particularly Arab Muslims, um, who are very angry with Jews in Israel, Israel, especially what happened uh, this past year, the Palestinians and how many died as a result of attacked civilians that had died. Uh, but, but these guys are Algerian, you know, uh, you know, ethnicity. They're not Arab. And Charlie Hebdo, completely different reasoning for that attack than those in the kosher market.
2: Well, completely different, but the planning, um, there's a a very similar web, and they know each other. And the Hayat Boumediene, the the most wanted woman in Europe now, who was uh, the uh, Koulibani's wife, common-law wife, they were married under Islamic law, it wasn't recognized by French law. But Kuli Urbani, who who uh, killed the people in the market, his, his wife left France, we know, today on the 2nd of the month. She then traveled uh, through Spain uh, into Turkey, and she stayed there um, on the 8th and she, in a hotel in Istanbul with somebody else, and somebody unidentified at this point. So it's believed that there were other accomplices here. And then she then uh, passed into Syria a day before the day he shot the policewoman, her husband shot the policewoman at Paris, and a day before the final hostage taking in, in Paris. She, there are phone records of 500 phone calls in 2014 to the Kawachi brothers, uh, and their spouses. So these, these two know each other, and in the video, uh, the, I mean, the Kawachi brothers know uh, Kulabani, uh, and the wives know each other. There is a very, there's a network there. That is, that is, by intelligence terms, that is a cell. So they are cooperating, and in fact, in his final video, Kulabani says that he coordinated attacks with the Kowachi brothers, they picked different targets, uh, and that he even gave them money for weapons.
1: Uh, how, some people are saying, could she even move about so freely? When people knew her name, people saw her picture, is it because she most likely had uh, documents that did not have her real name and, and, and things like that and was able to? Because
2: she left before the attacks. She left before the attacks, knowing the attacks were going to occur, I assume, and she... Was gone on the second. the The attacks. She she was gone on the second. The, the attacks occurred about a week later, less than a week later. But she obviously knew they were going to happen, and she knew she had to get in Syria. She knew that she would be sought and she would be arrested.
1: So a lot of people, a lot of people have been given or underst A lot of people have been given or understand misinformation. She was not in that market with her husband. She was not one of the people shooting and holding hostages.
2: No, and and not at this point. I mean, um, I think when I talked to you last week, there was a lot of doubt about it, but. Because originally they were saying maybe she was there when he shot the policeman. maybe uh, he was she was there in, in the market and escaped with some of the hostages, but it, it would now appear travel information. Um, and it has been confirmed, I believe by video as she passed into Turkey that she was indeed uh, in Turkey on the second. so uh, she she knew probably is the theory that the French are working on that she knew this was going to occur and she she got out of dodge and she she moved through. Madrid took a plane into Istanbul and stayed in a hotel there. And then on the very day that the attacks are going to occur on the 8th, she then moved into Syria.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you for being with us. We'll definitely have you on again, Dana. Uh, Very, very uh, comprehensive and concise reporting uh, and an interview today with us. Thank you. Dana Lewis, correspondent with Al Jazeera America. Follow Dana on Twitter at Dana S. Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. Follow Al Jazeera America at A-J-A-M. Their website, america.aljazeera.com.